It's 5 o'clock on the most listened to sports talk show for your ride home. What? what? It is time for the Falcons Report. Guns it. Caught. Touchdown Atlanta in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. You shall not pass. The 5 o'clock Falcons Report. Oh, my heaven. The 5 o'clock Falcons Report is brought to you by Jack Daniels. Make it count. Jack Daniels. Please drink responsibly. And sponsored by MD Anderson Cancer Center on Dukes and Bell. We are Dukes and Bell. We start off every day and every hour by saying, hey, man. If you're just joining us, we got a chance to talk to the new play-by-play voice for our Atlanta Braves for Bally Sports. Uh, Brandon Gordon came in and talked to us, Mike, uh, about all things uh, Braves. He grew up a Braves fan. Uh, Many of you may know him. He was uh, the voice of Georgia Tech football, basketball between 2013 and 16, and he remained in the Atlanta area. He's done a lot of other things, Big Ten. But, uh, Mike, he's the new guy you'll be seeing on Valley Sports. And also, you know, coming up, we're going to talk with our man Grant McCauley. He will head down to spring training here in about 35 minutes. Mm. Find out the latest of what's going on down there as uh, our guys continue to get ready for the upcoming season. Grapefruit League play just right around the corner. That's on the way. I'll tell you what else is on the way, Mike Bell. (laughs) The NFL draft. And we are starting to look at potential guys that may be available when we pick at eight. Now, I think we're going to have our choice. Do you want the best corner? Do you want the best offensive tackle? Mm. What is it that you're looking for? Because at eight, again, all the edge rushers are not gone because there will be quarterbacks taken in this draft early. You have a chance, Mike, to maybe get the best player at his position depending on how these guys grade out. And, guys, remember, when you're talking about the draft, this is going to come after your free agency has been wrapped up. And you could argue that uh, you may feel you can get a good defensive tackle in free agency. And as opposed to, and I think i got to be honest with you, if you give me the option of taking and giving Caleb McGarry a big contract, I would much rather get somebody like a Squidbilly wrote about today, Peter Skaronsky, big tackle from Northwest. Skaronsky! First off, he's got a great tackle name, Skaronsky. He'd go next to Lindstrom, who's great, from Boston College. And this is his. Uh, this is the fifth-year option we're going into with 23 at Lindstrom, by the way. But I just felt, if you've got to say... They're going to extend him, don't you think? Oh, Lister for sure. Lister, I'm just talking about McGarry. Oh, Lister, gotcha, gotcha. Lister for 100% sure. But in the case of McGarry, if I got to say, yeah, you know, he's a good run blogger, man, you know, but the thing is, it's not a great tackle class as far as right or left. I mean, it's just the, the dude from the 49ers kind of is a better version of uh, of what you're getting from Caleb McGarry. So I like the idea. It wouldn't be sexy. No fans would enjoy it. People would be going, oh. But if you went and got a dude named Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern as a tackle at eight, that's the kind of decision. Guess who makes these decisions? Oh, that's right. The Chiefs and the Eagles, and that's why they just played the Super Bowl. So the interesting thing about him is he's 6'4", he's 300 pounds. We'll see what he does at the Combine. Again, all this stuff will, will bear out. Um, but he plays guard but can play tackle. And so he gives you versatility. And, and again, I, I think guys like this on your offensive line um, help, Mike, when you talk about having versatile guys. Now, now he's a little undersized to your point. He could just immediately plug into your left guard and will address tackle one way or the other. Well, or he could be your answer right. when Jake Matthews leaves right. or, you know, it t- comes comes time for Jake to, to call it quits. Now, Jake has been steady. We said this guy's only missed like two games in his career. But the fact of, of, of having a guy like this that's versatile, I, I like having guys on my old line like this, Mike, because, again, these guys can play different positions. But the other side of that is do you want guys that just are great at what they do? Do you want just the best left or right guard or the best right tackle or the best offensive tackle, left tackle? That's the thing. 
The other position that seems to be right now, at least, and, and let's just say the Falcons go defense, and we don't know if this is the case. We're just, this is all right now. We're just starting our preliminary stuff. But the other position is corner. And, you know, Casey Haywood is still under contract. I, I don't know. He's fairly inexpensive when you talk about, con, you know, keeping a guy, but he's 34. Couldn't stay healthy last year. Coming off of an injury. Um, I think our defense is different last year. If he was to stay healthy, Mike, I think he would have helped us a lot. But the fact is, you still got to get younger. You got to get younger, more athletic. Uh, and at that particular position, it's important to have guys that can play. The Chiefs started a very young secondary this year and won a Super Bowl. So this whole idea about, oh, I'm not sure, if you draft a corner, Mike, at, at that position at eight, he's starting for us. We need help because when when uh, you look at A.J. A.J. Terrell, kind of, I wouldn't say take a step back, but he did not have a great year from based on what we've come to expect with A.J. Terrell as the best corner nobody talks about in the NFL. Christian Gonzalez is a corner from Oregon. He's six foot two. He's 200 pounds. This is, uh, by the way, a great breakdown from Josh Kendall in The Athletic. You could argue, guys, and I know everyone's going to say edge rusher, edge rusher. Got to wait for the combine. We'll get to the combine. And if somebody really shoots up that uh, position where they're somewhere between six and ten where we're selecting and he's considered like the best player, you know, best athlete and he's an edge rusher, then we'll take it. But Cor- Carl, corner is still a need. It is. And these are not sexy things because everybody wants edge rusher or they want the big skill position or they, of course they want. Quarterback. Some guys want a QB, but what about going with corner? I like it. Yeah, I. Uh, we need it. I. I think, you know, with, with these teams, look at look at the Eagles. They're, they're all pro corners, right? Now I know they didn't win the Super Bowl and the controversial call on on Bradbury and all that, but the fact is, all season long, guys, they were shut down. That 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 was part of the makeup of the Eagles. I'm telling you, the four rookies that the Chiefs started were monumental in their success. Mm-hmm. And they, they drafted a corner in the first round last year. And McDuffie, Mike, he played the entire season for him. Um, Trent McDuffie. So it, it, this is one of those things where you go, you got to have this. This is not a luxury item. This is not a shiny piece. You've got to have more than one, in my opinion. And for us, we haven't gone corner again since A.J. Terrell to draft a guy and project, hey, he's going to be here for the next five to seven or eight, ten years, whatever it's going to be, and he's going to be a dude. So I have no problems with this. The problem for most Falcon fans, though, is how does that help when you can get pressure on the quarterback, which helps your corners, even though you may not draft a corner. I'd rather have mediocre corners and go up front and make the front seven better. Right, but we're talking about the world we live in, guys, not the world you want. In the world we live in, Will Anderson is long gone by the time we're selecting. So if you're looking for the outside linebacker, edge rusher, just kind of do it all, guys, because everybody wants the next Micah Parsons, right? True. And I'm not even sure that he's that good. But that's the thing, guys. If you look at the draft, Jalen Carter will be gone by the time we select I mean, Brian, as it proceed from uh, Clemson, could yeah. be there. And that's a big space grabber inside next to Grady. Two Clemson guys just beating up on everybody. There's a dude named Tyree Wilson. Now, a lot of tech, uh, less, a lot of uh, 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 Falcon fans have asked about this guy from Texas Tech because I've never heard of him because he played for Texas Tech. Tech. Right. <laughs> but he's a dude that a lot of folks feel may get a big bounce at the combine, and he's pretty much in our zone right there where we selected eight. But that would, and if he's the best edge rusher, and he's there, I think, don't you think edge rush has got to be the priority? Because it's something we've talked about. But I just, it's hard to get excited about a guy I haven't heard of yet. He didn't play in those games I watched in January. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and you know, Clemson, even Clemson's defense, right? You look at Clemson's year, this wasn't a typical Clemson-type year. But one of the things they did have was dudes up front. They still had athletes like the D-tackle you're talking about. And he's a big boy, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 3-plus. So, Mike, we're going to have options 
But I want to yeah. see how all of this shakes out uh, with a lot of these guys because some of these guys, they will rise and fall, and not in a bad way. But if you're going to tell me this is the guy, the best guy at his position, I want to know who that is. And then, of course, Miles Murphy is a guy you might recognize along with Perse from, uh, from Clemson you just talked about. They're a great D-line. How many Falcon fans are – well, first off, do you think this team will entertain the idea of quarterback if, for instance, a Will Levis is there at eight? Because that's the dude that really has the most code of – he's either really high or he falls a little yeah. bit, and that could be where we pick. And then that gets so, back to so just how much Arthur Smith loves Desmond Ritter and what he got to see in four games. Well, if we don't pick a quarterback, it's, it's going to be blatantly obvious. Right? If those guys – if one of those guys is there, I think the bigger question for me, Mike, is if C.J. Stroud drops mm. and he's there – and you look at him from a talent standpoint, and you look at what he did and accomplished at Ohio State, and you start to say, we're going to pass this up. That, to me, becomes very interesting. And then you go, all right, if we do, then it tells us that Arthur has completely bought in. And, right. and, and maybe he has. He's not going to say that because he can't say mm-hmm. that right now. But this is why it's going to be very uh, intriguing for the draft for us, guys. We're just talking about preliminary stuff, but it's really about corner DT, Edge, and you're going to see a lot of that with our Falcons because those are our needs. The crazy thing is, Mike and I, we've known this long enough with this team to know, doesn't mean that they draft that. We've said for years, oh, we got to go, and they go right. something completely different, and you go, what the hell are we doing? Right. And it's part of the plan for whatever reason that they try to put together that this is how we're going to go about it. So just because you see all these things doesn't mean they're going to go that way. It's so funny because years ago, uh, Squid Billy was doing a show with us, and we had every single edge rusher on Carl that was projected to be top 15. We spoke with a young uh, T.J. Watt. Yeah. Spoke with Ryan Kerrigan. Spoke with uh, who's it, Golson. We spoke to all these dudes, all these guys that were all projected to be big studs, and then we drafted Julio. We moved up those 20 spots and we picked Julio. And again, there's, there was always the feeling in the previous regime the hell we're trying to stop somebody, we'll outscore the other guy. So that's why I just think I'd love to see us get the edge rushers. But these edge rushers, because they didn't really play in some of those games, I think if you're, unless you're a hardcore Clemson fan, you know what those guys are capable of. And we've done pretty well, with Vic, uh, not with Vic Beasley, but with Grady Jarrett. Well, you did see two of the top three scoring offenses in the Super Bowl. You still got to score points. You still got to be able to score the football. And I'm not telling you it's, it's the, the way that, you know, all these teams are looking at, but everybody's watching Kansas City and they're going, okay, we can't get Patrick Mahomes, Mike, but we still got to be able to score points. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are thinking about it. The Cincinnati Bengals are thinking about it. We don't score enough points. Right. And, guys, anybody – and a couple of guys hit us up on the text line today said, what about Jalen Carter? He's not going to be there at eight. No. I mean, guys, even if every if every team even went quarterback and some people, you know, uh, if, uh, if AK from Florida starts going higher, all these – I still think Jalen Carter, the Seattle, somebody's going to take Jalen Carter before the before the fifth selection. A.R. Uh, Richardson? I said A.K. A.R. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Richardson from the Gators. Yeah, he, and I think he's a project. I, I really do. I think he gets drafted, but he's going to sit. He's Trey Lance with a few more games. I, yeah, I don't think he immediately starts. You guys are more than welcome to hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. 404-741-0929. It's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Find us on social media. He's Mike Bell, A-T-L. I'm at Put Him Up. See Dukes, the radio show. Dukes and Bell, 929. Follow the radio station at 929 The Game. Of course, we're on Facebook. Instagram and across all social media platforms. Big shout out to Oconee Brewing, by the way. They put out a couple of posts today uh, with about Hey Man L. And right. uh, we always tell you guys go out there and check it out. But they got events going on and stuff. Hey. But thanks to uh, Oconee Brewing. I know, Carl, when you put on your leader hosen and head up to Helen Mully's Nakuchi Grill, and Helen has now got our Hey Man Love L. S for it in the can. He uh, he's holding the Hey Man L, and I'm right. like, hey, I love Helen. Good food up there. Good food. <laughs> Hey, man, we've got plenty more to get to, including 
I'm just going to ask you guys. Matter of fact, Chris, we're going to take phone calls. How do you fix them? How do you fix the Hawks? Mm. It's your turn to tell us. 404-741-0929. Now, understand this. Other than get a time machine and draft Luka? Well, you can't trade any of these guys because the trade deadline has come and gone. So what are you doing? Are you cutting playing time? Are you moving on from Nate? Are you changing something with the front office to get somebody else's attention? What are you doing? Because last night was an embarrassment. It's Dukes and Bell. Long arm story of the day is brought to you by John Foyt Associates Personal Injury Law. I don't know about you guys. Mike and I were down at State Farm last night. We were positive that our team would play better against the Knicks. And I mean, not so much. We didn't play better against the Knicks. As a matter of fact, we laid a big fat egg. We wet the bed last night. And now we have a nine day break for the All Star game so our guys can sit and think about maybe what they need to do for the second half. I think, Mike, a lot of these guys in this locker room think they're a playoff team. Okay, maybe they are, but they haven't played like it. And they certainly don't feel like they're going to do anything in the playoffs with the way that these last few games have gone. You've got embarrassed by Charlotte. You got embarrassed by New York. How do you fix this? 404-741-0929. That's the phone number. We're going to take phone calls. I want you to tell us. And our poll question's up at Dukes and Bell 929. We've been asking you today. It's plain and simple. What do you do to try to spark this team? Because, and, and this can go into the offseason, by the way, because this is the, the poll question, Mike. What should the Hawks do now or in the offseason to spark a major change? New head coach, look to trade Trey, move multiple starters, try to acquire a star. You can go vote at Dukes and Bell 929. Yeah, last night it's just, as we led into this, and I, that's why I kept hyping the whole nine, nine days off, and are you going to try to you know give us a little statement game and you know, battle back against the Knicks? You know, the Heat last night, they lost to the uh, the Nets up in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is still not quitting with their new-look lineup with Jacques Vaughn coaching his butt off. And the Heat, I said, are ripe for the picking. Well, the Knicks are going to get their way before we ever do. How do you get humiliated in Charlotte and then get humiliated? That game was over in the first quarter. You and I knew it. It was dreadful. And, you know, it just there's a sense of uh, lack of – I don't say a lack of pride, but there's just a complete tune-out from the coach. This game looked like everybody but John Collins was looking to get the hell out of here and get on vacation. And, by the way, credit to Collins. I know he took it in the head from uh, – I mean, he was, he was getting beat up left and right if you didn't see the game. But I just thought that John Collins wasn't going to play. He had that hip injury, and that was kind of impressive that he gave it a go. And I got to say this, at least John was out there battling – when a lot of other guys, I think, on this lineup might have tapped out. Because I know if you got a calf contusion, Uh-oh. you might not play, let alone if you got a hip injury. But if you didn't see it last night, the Knicks, 37-21, we were down 16, as Julius Randle was, like, just beating up everybody in the paint. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. But, I mean, where's your pride? And then we have, we have the soundbite we're going to play where Trey's kind of like, yeah, they were kind of letting him be physical. They're the Knicks! It's what they do! What did you guys think was going to happen last night? I think we're getting cheated. I just do as fans because this team should be, be playing better, and they're not. And here's the deal. I'm not asking them to win every game. But how we're losing games, Mike, is the problem. We're not losing one-point games, competitive mm. games. These last two games weren't competitive. That's the issue. 404-741-0929. We're going to start with D. Where's D? In Fayetteville, you said? D, you're on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Fix the Hawks. What are you doing? What's up, fellas? Enjoy your show. Been listening since day one. Thank you. Um, I'm just trying to tell you, they got to get a new coach. They got to get a new message in. It's not Trey's fault. He's done more good for this organization over the past five years than, than he's not. So 
let's stop bashing Trey. I'm a Trey person, but he he does have to develop and grow into a more mature player. He has a lot to learn. He's not he's not Jordan yet. He's not Kobe. He's not. They they had to mature at, at year five. So let's give him a chance to grow. Let's give him a chance to to learn the game more on this level as a professional. But the coach has to change. We've seen it with other teams. We've seen Donovan Donovan Mitchell last year. He wasn't happy in Utah. He has a new coach, a new message, and look at what he's doing. So let's 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 let Trey go get into a new or I mean a new a new a new culture with a new coach to come in and let's see what can happen. Okay. And let's and let's not forget let's not forget Nate came from up under the Pierce. We didn't go and choose Nate. He came from Pierce's regime and brought in a whole new coaching staff. And I think that's when everything went wrong. Well, Nate was brought in as a veteran coach because Lloyd was the first-time coach. Lloyd had been an assistant with the Sixers and his defensive prowess. That was one of the selling points on bringing Lloyd Pierce here. And then Nate was on the staff, and Nate talked to Lloyd and said, yeah, you're cool with this, and he just, they made him the new head coach. And then we went off and ran off this amazing run, 27-11, and 11, and we wound up you know, going all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. I do hope that Trey's maturation process does lead to accountability and leadership, if that's where this is going to go. D, appreciate you listening. Let's go to Wayne and Villarica. Wayne, you're on Dukes and Bell. What are you doing to fix the Hawks? Hey, man. Hey, man. It's real simple for me, guys. Trey Young's supposed to be the leader, face of the franchise. He doesn't have a lot of accountability. we got to get a coach in here that's got some rings, some clout. That way he can lead by example and be bigger than Trey, essentially. Trey's an immense talent. He's got talent all around him. But if he's going to be your leader and you're going to pay him back, He's got to have a coach that has that clout with him, and so far we haven't got that. It's a great call. Great call. Listen, if you guys want to change the coach, and I said this, if your leader doesn't buy in to what this is about and that trickles down to the rest of your team, Mm. this doesn't matter who the coach is. But if you're going to change coaches, I'm with him. I'm with Wayne on this. You can go hire a young guy, Mike, that relates to guys, but you come in – with clout, you come in with rings, and I don't know who that guy is, but the fact of the matter is it's hard to say you don't know what you're talking about or I'm not listening to well, you. Well, we talked about Jacques Vaughn in Brooklyn and how they really did. You know, It's a, it's a shame that uh, Kyrie and Durant pulled what they pulled on him because he's doing a hell of a job, and now he's basically said to the New York media, I can't even play Ben Simmons, so sorry. So yeah, there's a coach who's getting the job done with now with a new cast of characters. I just think if you go with a Kenny Atkinson, he doesn't have rings as a player. I mean, there's guys that I – and there's a very short list of guys you would plug in. You're just going to elevate somebody from the current coaches if that's the same problem. Yep. So if you're going to move on from Nate, Nate, look, whether the Sham Sharania story was nonsense and Nate's thinking about retiring or not, I think Nate's done it. I think we all agree Nate is done at the end of this season. I think he's walking away. You think he wants another year of this? For what? I mean, it's not going anywhere. For what? But getting back to his point – Nate was one of the best defensive point guards. He was, a stra- he was a scrappy, tough player who played in the league for years. You don't respect that? It's, it's got to have fly. a ring attached to it? Well, and here's the thing for me, and I've said this time and time again, for everybody that says it's, it's the coach. <laughs> and now I love this revisionist history. Well, he, he wasn't really the guy. He was elevated. <laughs> okay. You guys told me this was the answer. You guys told me it would be different with him. Pride. You guys told me, Mike, that Trey would respond to him like he did in the playoffs and that right. this was a player guy, a player coach, and this was going to be – and we're right back where we were with LP. Right. And, again, Trey, whether I, – I always thought Lloyd was the bad guy in this deal. Now I'm beginning to hear more information than maybe – I don't know. There was a reason why Lloyd was saying some of the things in the league meetings about Trey. Well, now you're going to run Nate out. And eventually, you know, one guy says, like, Kawhi Leonard, it took him five years. It took Michael X amount of years. All right, but, I mean – so now I got to be. I got to wait another. So this year is just a what? A wash? 
This year is just another year of Trey's development. Oh, that's why Trey's not an all-star, because he's not ready. But he was, he was ready two years ago, but he took two steps back. See, I mean, guys, with all due respect, I, you I, gotta you got to hold, hold Trey accountable and stop making excuses for a guy who's supposed to be a superstar who the rest of the league says, nah, he's not really a superstar. Well, we're paying him like one. And I don't think Kawhi's a good example, Mike. He's playing with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. He wasn't the star on that team. He was a piece. You know what they told him? Go play defense. It, it, that's a bad example for a guy who grew into mm. the Kawhi Leonard claw guy that won a right. championship. But his early developmental time in the NBA, he's playing with superstars. Right. Kobe came out of high school, by the way, guys, speaking of development. I mean, this guy did have one year of college in Oklahoma. All right, let's grab uh, – it's Will and Jasper. Will, you're up next. Ja, Will, how do you fix the Hawks, man? Thank you for calling. Hey, look, man, um, everybody wants to blame Trey, man, but here's the thing couple points that I think everybody should think about, man. We were on Lloyd Pierce's schemes when Nate took over and we made that run. Yep. LP, LP did not have any dang uh, – uh, all them guys were hurt. We had a lot of injuries. We didn't have a fully healthy squad until Nate took over with LP's scheme. As soon as he becomes the head coach the next season, we're running Nate's scheme, and it's like this every time. Look, Trey's averaging pretty much 29 – Point, 28 points, 10 assists a game. He, dude, he's changed his game all season long, trying to get everybody involved to change for Nate's scheme with DJ coming in. We got to stop blaming Trey and start looking at the guy in charge, man. Trey's averaging 26.7, three-point shooting is down. That's one of the things we've been talking about. So Nate did bring his staff in. Lloyd's staff did go out, and it's been Nate's staff ever since the Eastern Conference Finals, and we've gone backwards. Last year, the playing game. This year, we're on pace for the playing game to the caller's point. D, Wayne, Will, thank you guys for listening to Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and Dukes and Bell. But does Trey get a pass when he taps out? No. Not in my world. No. We'll let you hear what Trey had to say about what the expectation is after the All-Star break at 6 o'clock. But when we come back, we're heading to spring training and talking to Grant McCauley next on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is Dukes and Bell. We'll get back into a more Hawks conversation. All-Star break is here for our team. We'll get some time off. There are a couple of NBA games tonight, but it's winding down, and then we'll get uh, to the All-Star game in Utah. Let's talk to our man Grant McCauley. First time this spring, and uh, we're excited about the Braves as we head to Northport to talk with Grant, who is our Braves insider, and everybody's talking about the pitch clock. So, Grant, I want to know what your interpretations are. A guy like Spencer Strider – Okay, I think it may affect him when you talk about pace. We look at the the pitch count or the pitch clock and how long it took for him to deliver to to the plate. You know, with runners in scoring uh, or runners on base, I think it was like twenty four seconds. That's a long time when you only get fifteen seconds to get the the ball to the plate. Well, there's a couple different things there, and it's interesting you brought up Spencer Strider because I spent about 20 minutes watching him throw today, and I talked to Brian Snitker after all of those combined throwing sessions, and they already have the pitch clocks out there for each and every mound that they're using in the back. So the pitchers are going to have those right in front of them every time they throw. It's not even joked that when they have a few less pitchers in camp after they do a couple of cuts, they may bring those things over and have them going even during PFPs, just the, the fielding practice. 
because they want them completely immersed in this clock so that it's not something that they're having to think about once you get to the games that matter opening day and beyond. So they're already off to the races, you know, any and all pun intended, with this pitch clock. But the thing about the 15 seconds is that's with no one on base. You get 20 seconds with a runner on base. So there is a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's a grace period. I don't really know what we'll call that, but a discrepancy between the two. So he will have a little bit to work with, but hopefully over this next, what, five, six solid weeks and all of the exhibition games they have to play, he'll be able to, and all the Braves pitchers will be able to kind of come to terms with what that new cadence needs to be so that they just don't have to spend time on the mound worrying about that when it's time to go to work in the 2023 regular season. I know we talked a lot about the pitching side of it. I was asking Carl about the hitting side of it yesterday. All the guys who get out and adjust their batting gloves and everything else, those guys, I mean, mm-hmm. are they still going to be stepping out after every pitch? No, I mean, and you've really seen, I think, less of that over the last probably decade or so. I know we can all think about, you know, the time that certain guys took. I think David Ortiz took a long time. Nomar Garcia-Para. Other players who did not play for the Red Sox, I'm sure, took their sweet time as well. But I don't know that it's going to affect the hitters quite as much, but just everybody's going to have to be cognizant of it. And one thing Brian Snitker told me today that really kind of stuck out was, we just needed to get this thing and start doing it so that we could live it out a little bit. We can read about it all we want. You and I and you know the three of us can try to interpret it all we want to, but until you've gone out there and played it, they're not really going to know how it, exactly it feels in those game scenarios, but that is what spring training is for, among other things. Grant, let's talk about a couple of other things that are going on um, that we're all curious about, and that is obviously Chipper back with the role that he had a couple of seasons ago. He's not going to be at every game, right? Not going to be on, on, you know, in the clubhouse every night. What is his role, and, and how is this going to play out with guys at spring training for Chipper Jones? I think it's just another resource. And when you talk about someone who did the things that Chipper Jones did and who understands, uh, you know, to borrow the phrase from Ted Williams, the science of hitting as well as Chipper Jones does, that's nothing but a net positive. I mean, this doesn't change the dynamic of, you know, Kevin Seitzer being the regular hitting coach, but I think the understanding for the organization, for the coaching staff, they love having these guys around that can give from their knowledge base and their experience advantages to some of these hitters on the current day Braves. And I think that Chipper Jones loves being around the game, and I'm sure he's excited to get back out there and start working with guys again. His fingerprints, I believe, uh, along with others, were on the Austin Riley breakout a couple of years ago. So it's nothing, I think, but exciting for you know, the, the possibilities that it might uh, have to unfold and to unlock something perhaps in a, in a young hitter or even an experienced hitter that just gets to hear a different mind and a different viewpoint, especially one that was as polished and as cerebral as Chipper Jones. We had uh, Alex Anthopoulos on his grandma. Macaulay joins us today here, guys, on the WaitFor.com highlight, getting ready for spring training down there, about uh, the progression of Vaughn Grissom and expectations. And it was almost like he kind of tempered mm-hmm. expectations for Vaughn Grissom. So good enough? Are we going to see a little bit more RC than some people are expecting to see? I think that you just try to, you know, give everybody that's in camp the respect of saying, okay, we have an open job. And I don't think anybody is expecting it to be just handed to Vaughn Grissom while we, again, can all sit around and talk about who is the most likely candidate, what's the best-case scenario. That's going to be Vaughn Grissom. I don't think there's two ways about that. Any, any which way you want to look at it, Vaughn Grissom taking that shortstop job and running with it is what would be best for this Atlanta Braves club. And he's put in that work. I saw Vaughn this morning you know, before the, the practice got started and just kind of joked, hey, back to work. And then I stopped myself and said, wait, you never really stopped working. You were at it all winter. And he goes, oh, you're damn right. And then he went over and started talking to Ron Washington some more. But 
because that has been his guy, his guru, to help get him to this level where he can take that next big step. But to Alex Anthopoulos' point, Brian Snitker, anybody else, Von Grissom will tell you, i got to go out there and earn that job, earn that opportunity to become that, sh- that starting shortstop, and that's what he's here in camp looking to do. What about Michael Money Harris, uh, his approach and what he's talking about down there? I mean, he had an amazing season last year, right? One that rewarded him with a long-term extension. But mm-hmm. now he's the guy. Like, you're the dude. Now there's an expectation. There wasn't last year. <laughs> he even got a street sign named after him. I mean, you know, there, was, there wasn't that last year for Michael Money Harris. What, what's his approach? Yeah, I think it, Michael is one of like just the coolest, calmest customers that you're going to meet. It just doesn't feel like you know, the moment, the success, the, any of the things that he experienced last year have really done much, if anything, to change him and his everyday mentality, his, his workmanlike ethic of coming in and getting things done and just continuing to you know, realize that there are ways to elevate his game. And you don't just do it by you know, changing something drastic. It's that everyday you know, commitment to doing all the little things. I think Michael Harris does that as well or, or better than anybody else in this club, which is a high compliment when you consider we're talking about a 21, 22-year-old kid who just kind of exploded on the scene last year. But he plays beyond his years. His baseball acumen, obviously his defensive prowess makes him an even better player. The, the dimensions of this player, we started to see it last year, but I think that there are other levels for him to get to. And I was talking to a couple of the other you know, writers and reporters that were down here just about you know, what 2022 was for the Braves. And I said, look, if Ronald Acuna Jr. in his 120 or so games had put up Michael Harris's numbers, we would say Ronald had a pretty good season. If Michael Harris had put up Ronald's numbers from last year, you would say, okay, the rookie did all right for himself that first year. So it's kind of interesting, just the different ways you can look at the stats and finesse it a little bit. But now you come into 2023, Michael has set the bar pretty high for himself. So this sophomore season is going to be a lot of expectations on him, to your point. But he's also got other guys around him that I think it – it creates, and same thing for Von Grissom, a scenario where they don't have to just be the guy, the central player on this club, because there are a lot of really talented players and some MVP candidates up and down this lineup and all around the field. It is our man G Money, Grant McCauley, the best baseball man in town, breaking down Braves in spring training. Chipper on the steakhouse today saying, yeah, reminding folks, it's nearly three years now for uh, Mike Soroka. So what are realistic expect- expectations? you really feel he'll battle for that fifth spot? Yeah, I really do. And I think that last year having that opportunity to get that handful of minor league starts helped him to kind of knock off some rust and to remind himself, okay, I've, I've done all this rehab. Now I'm out here facing hitters again, and I'm back doing the thing that I wanted to be doing for so long. So I think that that was helpful for him. Uh, I think that, you know, once he gets down and, and, and to work and back in these every fifth day, you know, rotation plans that they have during the Grapefruit League, We'll start to see where Mike Soroka is this year. He told us at FanFest, no limitations on him physically. He feels as good as he ever has. It felt like a normal winter. He didn't have to spend all that time doing specific work for his leg. And you know, obviously his arm last year, he had that little bit of inflammation to where they felt like no real reason to push him through another start or two in the minors because it became pretty apparent they weren't going to use him in the big leagues last year. And it was more about getting him back on the mound and having him ready for spring training. And I know they're excited to see him, excited to see Ian Anderson and Bryce Elder and maybe some of these other young arms show them what they can this spring to let them know that they have that pitching depth 
that they're going to need because Brian Stetker had a team meeting this morning and told all those pitchers, hey, we used nearly 30 pitchers last year. 11 of them were starters. So you guys may or may not be on the opening day roster, but you may or may not play a role before the, everything is said and done in the 2023 season. Health-wise, Grant, Grant McCauley, Braves insider for us here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. He will have you covered for the Braves all season long and including spring training. Health-wise, any, any health concerns we should be watching at this point as guys report and everything starting this week? I don't think we've really heard much of anything right now, which, knock on wood, is the best scenario that you can be in. I mean, clearly, you know, you, you have some guys that aren't going to you know, pitch this season in all likelihood with Tyler Matzik having Tommy John surgery. So he's here. He's in camp. He's beginning to work through his progressions, but it's a long road back. Uh, Wasker Noah also had Tommy John surgery, so he's another guy that I guess if you're just kind of looking for the different health stories, they are uh, the things you already expected, the things you already knew. So hopefully, no surprises. Guys can get in here, get their work done, get through a spring training healthy, and the Braves can make the decisions they need to to have the best 26 men to head to opening day. Grant, good stuff, man. We appreciate it as always. Uh, looking forward to our visits and finding out more about what these guys think about the new rules that are going to mm. be in place uh, for oh, MLB. By the way, the bases look as big as a pizza box? <laughs> yeah, they do. I haven't gotten a real <laughs> up-close look at it, but even from 30 or so feet away, those are going to take some getting used to, that's for sure. All right, Grant, have a good one, man. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Grant McCauley, guys. Uh, Dukes and Bell Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. There are a lot of things that uh, we should be excited about. And I'm just excited about the guys building on the young guys, like Michael, Money Harris, and, you know, Von Grissom. These guys building on what they started last year. We know who can play. We know Riley can play. You know if Acuna's healthy, he's going to crush it. Some people are already predicting Acuna is going to be the MVP this year in the National League because if he's back to being healthy, Mike, Mm -hmm. that means he's stealing bases. He's getting on. He's crushing home runs. We know Ozzy can play. There's a lot of reasons that this team's going to be good. Imagine you, everyone's talking about the Mets. What if Ronald Acuna gives you 162 games? <laughs> and the way he looked down in Venezuela, giddy up. I'm with you. Hey, coming up, you want to know what Trey thinks about the second half of the season? Stay right there.